I'm Bill Green, and I'm a lifelong Mainer. And at the age of 18, I went to work as a studio cameraman at Channel 2 in Bangor. And even before I graduated, I got on television in Bangor. And my whole TV career was 47 years. Welcome to Maine Environment Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. In this episode, you'll hear my conversation with Bill Green. You know him from Bill Green's Maine and his storytelling about Maine's beautiful outdoors. I hope you enjoy this conversation as a special Earth Day treat. Here's the episode. You are a Mainer, and your career was one of storytelling of Maine and Maine people. I'm curious to know when you're outside of Maine and you meet some folks that have never been, how do you describe Maine to them? I think our natural resources are really crucial here. But I also would try to get into something about, I think beauty is different here. I think the rock-bound coast of Maine is beautiful, but it's different than, say, the pastels of Carmel, California. And so to me, Maine's a wonderful, super place, the, the place I want to be. And I love it because of its its diversity of uh, mountains and ocean and forests and plains up north. And I don't think living here is easy. And I think that um, it, it builds a certain character. You know, for example, during the pandemic, I, I am optimistic that Maine will have it easy comparatively because I think we know how to hunker down. And I hope we come through it well. Thank you for that. And, you know, as I was preparing for this conversation, I, you know, watched some episodes of Bill Green's Maine. And (laughs) there are stories, I think, of such joy in the way that people are interacting with the nature around them. You know, I'm thinking of the fishomatic in Mount Vernon. I love those guys. I mean, in Ski Joring and Skowhegan. And why are you drawn to storytelling about the way that people here are interacting with the nature around them. I'd, I'd love to hear about that. I, I really had an epiphany. I was like every other young, I was a sportscaster for 18 years. And I was like every other guy in a blue blazer, you know, trying to, you know, get to the next market and stuff. And I was at a conference with my wife. She was the the executive and I was the spouse. And we ended up at a dinner with people from Washington, D.C., Chicago, and Miami. We're the Greens. Where are you from? We're from Maine. And they went, Maine? You know, and I I joke now that when someone says Maine with 17 syllables, they're looking down their nose at you. And they were talking about how the murders in, I think it was Washington, were particularly bad that summer. And they had passed Chicago as the murder capital of the world. And Miami wasn't far behind. And then they said, well, how many murders did you have in Maine this year? And I said, 16. And they said, this month? And I said, no, this year. And then the conversation went on. It was like education. And the main kids were doing a lot better in school. And, and you know, all these different things were coming up. And it wasn't a comparative race. It was just, well, what about in Maine? And, you know, well, I live two miles in the ocean. So a lot of times I go down and walk on the beach or something. And, you know, they couldn't believe it. And by the end of the conversation, I was lying because I was afraid they were going to move here. So that really changed my perspective. I just said, I'm going to start bragging about Maine. I, you know, you can criticize my work journalistically because I'm not looking at hard. I didn't look at hard issues, you know, of, of wealth and education and some of the hard things. But I did try to celebrate some of the things that we've got. I, I did a few college uh, commencement speeches, uh, addresses, 
although what I do in their speeches. And a guy somewhere said, as I was on the web trying to steal ideas about what to say, said, have a hobby and participate in it once a week that brings you as much joy as if you doubled your income. And I, and I thought, boy, that's perfect for me because, I mean, even this winter, this winter of the pandemic, there's still snow in St. John Valley. You can go snowmobiling there out behind your house. They're not grooming. I mean, look at what we would have had for a skiing year on the mountains. And and the and the paddling is starting. The, the rivers are pretty high and, and the flowers are blooming in southern Maine. I mean, we've got so much to celebrate if you get off your butt and get outside and enjoy yourself. It's up to you. Good way to put it. Well, think of that, though. We live where there are life-altering opportunities. And, and the ones, I mean, sail the, the waters off our coast, paddle the main island trail. You can hike a good portion of the Appalachian Trail, the toughest and I would suggest the most beautiful part of the Appalachian Trail. You can paddle the Allagash Wilderness Waterway. You could do uh, Maine Hudson Trails, you know, but there are just all kinds of great backcountry places to get into and, and they're available to us. Great. I totally agree. And I'm curious to hear from you, you know, based on the feedback that you were getting from your viewers and your listeners about the stories you were telling, they were so, they are so popular. And so what were you hearing and, and why do you think they resonated with Maine people? Maybe I had one advantage in that I grew up here with a little bit of an inferiority complex because I was from Maine, kind of like, you know, in that dinner, which was in Colonial Williamsburg, you know, Maine, you know, people don't know us. We were orange we stick up on the corner of the little map when they're seven years old and we've got a potato and a pine tree. And other than that, they don't know much about us, but they're curious about us. You know, every every map that you look at, Maine's like bigger than it's supposed to be. And I think there's a fascination with us, a curiosity about us, like we're some type of pioneers and stuff. And, and I think sometimes we think of that as being uh, to our detriment. But I, but I, I think, you know, that people that, that come here and look around, you know, think this is this is a spectacular place to be. And I haven't said why. I mean, why? Because because there's, you know, opportunity. And, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, our, recent, our natural resources in the outdoors. Take sports. I did sports for 18 years, but the big time sport, sporting opportunity in Maine is outdoors. You know, you can go on a moose hunt in Maine. You can go on a bear hunt in Maine. White-tailed deer hunting here is fabulous. You can turkey hunt. You can fish for stripers in, in, in the salt water. I mean, there's, you know, big-time opportunity in Maine sports is outdoors. There's no question about it. We're a bunch of five, ten guys that can't dunk. So we, you know, we're better off fishing. Well, let me ask you this then. When you aren't working, when you weren't on TV, reporting stories, just in your, in your personal time, what are some hobbies and activities that for you have just been pleasures of living here? Well, uh, you know, this will kill you, but, uh, you know, I like boating. I'm an ambassador for the uh, Freedom Boat Club. I just like getting out there uh, whatever season it would be. I did think in my early life, I was feeling a little down in the uh, wintertime, that seasonal disorder thing. And so for me, getting out in, in November was big. So I always like to deer hunt. Uh, right now, I'm enjoying biking. I'm doing a lot of biking. And I'm doing old man biking. You know, I'm not hunched way over. But I'm, you know, I'm going 10 to 25 miles a day. And it's helping me stay in shape. And I don't have any trouble with cars. I, I live in Cumberland, which is two towns north of Portland. Good bike lanes. I try to stay way out of the way. And I have these 
circuitous routes that don't bother traffic much. And I'm doing that. I love to sea duck hunt in the winter, get out on the islands. I, I do a little bit of kayaking and I do all the sports and seasons. I do a little hiking. My wife and I, you know, did the bold coast last year. We got up to a sporting camp and did a little paddling. And, uh, but I'm not, one thing that I, that I do want to say is because you're on TV doing outdoor things, people tend to think that you're, you know, Grizzly Adams or something that you have some tremendous ability. And I don't, I'm just an average hacker out there. I don't think I do anything really well. It sounds like then both personally and of course, professionally, you've seen a lot of the state. Can you give me a sense of where you visited? What's, what's the range? How many squares in the Delorum? All but six. I looked that up before I retired and we were trying to do a piece where we went to the last six townships. And I've been in every town where people live. And I mean, if, you, if you're a reporter on the air for 44 years, you know, you, you've got to get into most towns and actually do a report. Um, th- there's a couple of TRs that I haven't gotten into. There's one on that straight line boundary between us and Quebec. It's like it's down from Big 20. I can't remember, like 16, 20 I haven't been in. And there was this road that I, I don't think I got down. And, and so I'm actually going to try to do that. I'm going to try to do a little snowmobiling probably in the winter of 21. Because some places are more accessible in winter, and that's one of them. But I've I've been everywhere, just about. You know, if I haven't been in T nine R fourteen, I've been in T ten and T eight R fourteen. So I've I've been around it, but I didn't get through there. Well, of course, I was going to ask then if there are any places that you want to visit, and is it that you'd like to get those last ones? Yeah, I'll get them. I'll get them because it looks good in a in obituary, but. I think Hancock Point is a beautiful place. Namakanta, just southwest of Mount Katahdin, that region's beautiful. The county in September and the, you know, the mountains any time of the year. The Bold Coast down by Lubeck, sensational. You know, and, and, I, and I forget about how beautiful it is, but I, I live in Cumberland. and There's a there's saltwater access here. And there's uh, Falmouth and Yarmouth that I can get out on the water from. I can get out from downtown Portland because of the boat club. And uh, I mean, think how beautiful that is. Portland Head, you know, I mean, that's not big country, but we, we forget how beautiful our own backyards are. And as my hero, a guy named Bud Levitt, who was a great storyteller, you're going to have to cut this, but he was just a bullshit artist and he wrote it beautifully. Just a magnificent storyteller. Fill the room, you know. And uh, Bud said, there's more beauty in my backyard than there is in the whole province of Labrador, as far as I'm concerned. You know, and, I, and he was right. My wife and I often say our favorite place is the back deck on a summer night, which is kind of true. Well, you know, what you just said is a, a beautiful story. If I cut out the part with uh, <laughs> the shit, can I include that? You, yeah, you don't even have to cut that part out because, you know, my father, you asked me why I was a storyteller. My father was a great storyteller and he was an uneducated man. He was a Archie Bunker type of guy that was in the CCCs and then World War II and and came home and worked on the railroad and played a little golf at the local municipal golf course and played pretty well as an old feller. And he was a great storyteller. He had a, a great mind and a, a great sense of humor. And he, and he saw the humor in, in our lives. I mean, you know, and I, I got it. I got my storytelling ability from him and I, you know, maybe honed it a little bit through education and practice, but you know, they're, they're great storytellers all around us. And I think, you know, in the bigger sense, we're all telling a story with our lives, you know, how we live it, you know, what we do and the way we act. And I think the pandemic is a time for us to, you know, this is a time that we're all being 
challenge. So we're all being called upon. And if you're a jerk now, you're a jerk. And if you're a, a leader now doing your part and helping your neighbor and you know, doing what's right, we all know what's right, then you're a good person. And so I think this is a time that we can each measure ourselves. Something you were mentioning earlier when you were talking about the beauty everywhere in this state, one of the reasons I love living in Maine is that it seems to me that each region has its own character and sure. sometimes its own culture and its own beauty too. In your mind, when you're thinking about the state and its regions, are there particular stories for you that you associate with each region? I'd be curious to hear some of those. Well, I mean, and and I wondered sometimes if it was to my detriment, like as a feature guy, you know, I'd go to the county to do harvest stories. Well, there's more going on up there than harvest. When I go down east, I might tend to do a fishing story or a, or a sailing story. And, and I think you have to watch out for that because I think each area offers things. But yeah, I mean, each area, I mean, if you're going to go to the beach, you're probably going to go to Kenny Bunker, Scarborough, right? And if you're going to harvest seaweed, you're probably going to go down around Hancock. So yeah, but I get caught a little bit, I think, into branding regions for particular things. I mean, we ski in the mountains, we hike in the mountains. So yes, I think each region is kind of best known for one thing. But I, the other thing is, I think we scare people away from the outdoors because we um, make them think that it has to be this world-class opportunity just to go there. And, and it doesn't. You can have fun just putting a backpack on and going for a five-mile hike or seven-mile hike, probably within 10 miles of your home. They say the, the biggest uh, recreational activity is bird watching. You know, as I've sat with you, I've kind of been watching the woods behind my house and I haven't seen, I, I did see a crow, but I saw a, a squirrel. So I guess I'm bird watching. But a lot of times people think bird watching, you know, it doesn't have to be keeping a list and having 400 birds on it. It can just be having a feeder and enjoying them being around. And the same with hiking and the same with climbing and the same with sailing and the same with everything else. Are there right now places that you enjoy returning to? We all, we all have them, you know. I mean, I, I like every place in Maine. And the thing about my job was I got a chance to move around and travel. And uh, I was kind of a come in, stay, do the story and get out kind of guy. So, you know, do I always have one place that I retreat to? It's probably here in my home. But, you know, Hancock Point, you know, and what, you know, a story of Hancock Point was during World War II. I think it was in early 1945. A German submarine comes into the cove and drops off two spies. And Germans start to paddle them to shore, but a dog on shore barks. So they go back, and apparently in German submarines, they hung like bratwurst and things from ropes. They grabbed some sausages, stuffed them in their pockets, and when they came ashore, they threw it to the dog. And according to the story, he's the only German soldier, was a sailor, in uniform to stand on American soil. And these two guys walked down, I think it's Route 131, and hitchhiked through Bangor and took a train to Portland and went to New York before they were captured. And, you know, but Hancock, in, you know, in all its beauty, it's just, it's just as beautiful as Acadia, but it's on the other side. You know, I like going anywhere. It's beautiful. I'm sorry. I just, I can't, I, I don't like to pick one. And, you know, Muscungan Lake up where uh, Bradford camps are, you know, sunset every night, Grant's camps on Kennebago, just fabulous. I know that question about name your favorite places is hard because, I mean, the list is ever growing. But hearing you talk, I, I think it's amazing that you have such a sense of Maine history. And I imagine that when you were doing your reporting and going to new different places, you know, that sense of history is probably really helpful for you as a storyteller. 
Well, it is. I mean, it's, it's a good idea to know who's been here before. It helps you to know what the local people might be. I'm going to dangle a participle or something here. might be proud of. If you go down and you see the uh, the old sow, the, the little uh, whirlpools off Eastport, or you see the fisherman statue in, in uh, Eastport and, and know the story about, I guess it was a movie that was shot there. And yeah, I think it helps you talk to, to people and to know a little bit about sardines and how they were canned and in my, in my case, uh, one of my one of my great grandmothers was canning them, so uh, maybe there's a little of that in my blood too. But I just think it's it's a, a a great place to to be, and it needs to be protected. In that vein, this Earth Day this year is the 50th Earth Day, and I was wondering if you would offer your reflections or thoughts on the progress that's been made in those 50 years to protect Maine's environment. Are you a millennial? Yes. Good, because. Um, before you say, okay, boomer, I'm joking. You can say, okay, boomer, all you want. But in 1970, and I remember the first Earth Day, that's how old I am. I was a high school kid. And um, the Androscoggin River was so dirty, you couldn't go near it because of the paper mills, the tanneries. I grew up in Bangor, and I, I don't think this is in my lifetime, but I remember this being said to me. Bangor got its water from the Penobscot River probably until about I was born in 1953. Maybe it was a couple of years later before. But the river was our water source. Old Town was discharging sewerage in it. So they would say, flush the toilet, Bangor needs a drink. And we all thought, well, that's a big joke. Or Bangor people resented it, but the Old Town people thought it was kind of funny. So when people say that the boomers ruined the environment and the millennials, and I think you are great, I think your generation is, you know, just got it more than I do, than my generation did. But the boomer generation did a lot to clean up the environment. And, you know, look at some of your elders at NRCM. They're ones who should be thanked for a lot of that work. So I want to joke with you about, okay, boomer, because, you know, I, I think we've done, we've started the big job that needs to be done of saving some places and keeping them available to, to you know, others who are going to come along. So when you say, okay, Boomer, you know, think of me and say, well, maybe they weren't so bad. Well, thanks for that. And I would never say, okay, Boomer, to you. Is there anything else that you would like to add in this conversation about your role as a storyteller of main stories and the way that nature sort of shapes that? I just think I'm kind of one of many. I think there were some great storytellers in front of me and there are some great ones out there now. And I, I tried to kind of leave a record of what was going on in Maine at this time. So when some poor graduate student, you know, looked for something to do in 2070, they could pull my video and kind of get a look at, you know, the brighter side of what was going on back at the turn of the century. You've done such a, a wonderful job with it. And I think Maine is, is better off for hearing these stories that you've been part of telling. So I wanted to say thank you for that. I did want to ask to conclude how you think we should sign off. I know that you had your own sign-off tradition for your shows. I got it. Kids, remember, don't go bragging just because you're from Maine. Thank you so much to Bill Green, who retired from his 47-year TV career in November 2019. Now he works as the executive director of the Maine Sports Hall of Fame. And on a personal note, I definitely recommend watching episodes of Bill Green's Maine if you're looking for a pick-me-up these days. As always, thank you for listening to Maine Environment Frontline Voices. 
I hope you'll also join us for our special Earth Day poetry series, where you'll hear beautiful poetry readings by Maine-based poets. To hear the latest episodes, please subscribe to Frontline Voices on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Thank you again.